Greatness is not the fulfillment of your dreams. I think we do people a disservice when we have them focus on fulfillment and chase that, and focus on success and chase that, and focus on greatness. In the Bible, fulfillment is the outcome of doing the right things. This is Living a Legacy, featuring the Bible teaching ministry of Dr. Crawford Lorenz. Crawford has been leading us through a series of messages from 2 Samuel and 1 Kings, looking at the life of David. We've tracked David's early shepherding days, the killing of Goliath, God anointing David as king, David's moral failure, his restoration with God, and now his legacy. And today we wrap up this series titled, David, the Pursuit of God's Heart. We'll hear part three of the message, Footprints in the Sand. The messages we share here on Living a Legacy come from Crawford's years as senior pastor of Fellowship Bible Church of Roswell, Georgia. Now in retirement, Crawford heads an organization called Beyond Our Generation, a ministry leadership mentoring program. He's authored several books, and among them, Your Marriage, Today and Tomorrow, co-authored by Crawford's wife, Karen, Unshaken, and Make It Home Before Dark. Now, when we left the program last week, Crawford was sharing three charges David gave to his son Solomon. At this point in our study, King David's life is coming to an end. He wants Solomon to lead well as he assumes the throne. There are three specific charges David gives Solomon to live courageously, obediently, and faithfully. And as we'll learn today, there are two promises that come with these. Let's return to our biblical text of 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 1-4. through 4. 1 Kings chapter 2. Here's Crawford Loritz on living a legacy. Somehow or another, we're okay with the scriptures as long as it does not collide with what I prefer to believe. But what he was telling Solomon here is that no, 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 nobody. You gotta know this. Not only should you know it, you've got to submit to its authority over your life. And then third implication here, I think, is that he says, you need to live by God's word. Not just know it, submit to its authority, but live by it. He uses the expression, walk in his ways, keeping his statutes. David is saying, this this book has got to be the theme of your life. It's consistent with what he wrote about in the Psalms. It's consistent what he said in Psalm 1 verse 3. But in his law, does he meditate day and night? The Hebrew word for meditate is dull sound. It implies that you know it so well it's become a part of your identity. It's not just a truth that you traffic in. It is the truth that you have become. Not just truth that you traffic in. It's the truth that you have become. Man, I wish I was a fly on the wall in that conversation that David had with his son. He's laying on his bed. He's weak. He's about to die. Something gets close to him. David says, boy, live courageously. Secondly, he says, son, listen to me. You know what I stood for. Live obediently. But then thirdly, he charges him, and I suppose, technically speaking, this is a subset of obedience. It really is. But I want to parse it out a little bit. Thirdly, he charges him, live courageously, live obediently, but thirdly, live 
faithfully. And if faithfulness is a subset of obedience, live, live faithfully. If you want to leave your mark, there are no shortcuts. Somebody needs to hear that. If you want to leave a mark, there are no shortcuts. If you want to leave your footprints in the sands of time, you have to wear work boots. There are no shortcuts. And this whole principle here that I want to summarize in verse 4 is that uh, David is saying, remember where we came from and what's been placed in our hands. Remember where you came from, what's been placed in your hands. I, I read the verse. He says, that the Lord may establish his word that he spoke concerning me, saying, if your sons pay close attention to their ways to walk before me in faithfulness with all their heart and with all their soul. Some of you, if you've ever heard me, I, there's a message that I've preached for years and, um, from Psalm 78, verses five through seven on the creation of a godly legacy. And in the introduction of that message, I tell this story uh, that's had a huge impact on me. Years ago, I was traveling during the time in which uh, they had the memorial service for Sammy Davis Jr. And uh, I'll never forget seeing <clears throat> that, re that tape replay uh, on CNN. And I was deeply moved by Gregory Hines' tribute to Sammy Davis Jr. It's a little backstory I didn't know about this. Uh, uh, that, that I didn't realize that Sammy Davis Jr. had a huge impact on Gregory Hines. I mean, huge. Uh, Hines so much says he, he, if there was no Sammy Davis Jr., there had never been in his illustrative career, Gregory Hines' career. Hines told a story as he gives his tribute about how when he was a, a little dude, he and his brother <laughs> used to sneak into the, to the Apollo Theater there in Harlem to watch Sammy Davis Jr. and his uncles perform. Somehow or another, uh, as Sammy Davis' career began to do like this, he, he, he saw this young guy, Hines, and I don't know how, how they got together, but Sammy Davis Jr. began doing things for him to leverage this young man, and Hines talked about how he uh, would get him gigs, you know, and uh, open doors for him, and not only that, Sammy Davis Jr. was legendary for his generosity, how he even would give him money at times when things were hard and what have you. So fast forward, Hines says, Sammy Davis Jr. is dying of throat cancer. Hines realized that he wouldn't, if he didn't get out to see him, he'd probably be dead in the next couple of weeks. And so he went out to see his mentor and uh, said so when he walked into the house, he was almost devastated by seeing, Sammy Davis Jr. was always a slight man, but he was totally emaciated. The throat cancer had taken its toll on him, and by this time he wasn't even talking. So Hines said immediately, I just teared up, and I sat down next to him, and the tears freely were flowing down his cheeks, and he said, I paid him a tribute and told him how much I loved him and thanked him for all that he'd done for me and how much uh, he meant to me. And, and uh, he said, after a few moments, I just... Hines said, I leaned over and kissed him on his cheeks to say goodbye. Then Hines said he was walking toward the door. And as he walked, was walking, this amazing thing happened. He said he heard this shuffling behind him. As he turned around, and there Sammy Davis Jr. could barely stand up. And he said he looked at me, and he did this. 
What's in our hands? David's laying on his bed. He says, Solomon, be faithful, buddy. Be faithful. Be faithful. What is faithfulness? I think Eugene Peterson has the best definition of faithfulness. He says, faithfulness is a long obedience in the same direction. A long obedience in the same direction. Be faithful. Be faithful. Be faithful. Don't get enamored by the big deal. Be, be faithful. Pull yourself into what needs to be done. You see, greatness is not the fulfillment of your dreams. I think we do, I think we do people a disservice when we uh, have them focus on fulfillment and chase that and focus on success and chase that and focus on greatness. I'm not saying fulfillment is wrong. I'm not saying that greatness is wrong. I'm not saying success is wrong. But I'm saying the way we think about those things is wrong. In the Bible, fulfillment should never be an objective by, that we look for. Fulfillment is an outcome of doing the right things. In the Bible, fulfillment is the outcome of doing the right things. Every person I've ever met in my life where greatness has been the objective has been one frustrated individual. In fact, the only place in the Bible where success is defined is Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. And by the way, success is an outcome. Success, success will take place according to the promise in Joshua chapter 1 verse, verse 8. Success comes as a result of fulfilling God's plan and his mission and your relationship to the word of God. Now I know, I know, I'm, I'm, this is counterintuitive in terms of our culture, where we're coming from, but I, I gotta tell you, and I'm not saying that you don't work on your gifts and abilities. In fact, I'm saying just the opposite. You do work on your gifts. You do work on your abilities. You are faithful with what God has given to you. But you relinquish that to him. It's the word that Paul told Timothy again in that, that last will and testament, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 5, when he says, Timothy, 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 fulfill your ministry. He doesn't say draw fulfillment from the ministry. He says fulfill the assignment. Greatness is the product of the faithful execution of God's dream and plan for your life. It's finding out God's dream and plan for your life and faithfully executing that, showing up and showing up and showing up. Be faithful. Faithful in the little stuff. Now, I'm not saying that we're perfect. And God knows I've disappointed some people here at the church. You know, you, you've been wanting to get together with me and it's a problem of the calendar and things like that, and I'm not always able to follow through on that because of the limitations of being human. And, uh, you know, those things are just real. We, we do the best we can with what we have. No, we're not the fourth members of the Trinity, and we can't do everything. But what, what, what I think what is being said here, what he's telling Solomon, says, Solomon, 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 regular consistent deposits, regular consistent deposits, regular consistent deposits, regular consistent deposits. Just show up, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. Day in and day out, don't run, don't run, don't run, don't run. Do it, do it, do it, don't run. Be faithful. Be the portrait of the destination. Be faithful. Do what needs to be done. Faithfulness means to obey God on little things. It is the daily commitment to do the right, honorable things. And by the way, faithfulness is the foundation for character and integrity. There's a consistency that is required to build 
moral predictability. And that's Crawford's definition of integrity. Integrity is moral predictability. But you can't have moral predictability unless there's some consistency about your life. And if you're erratic, you're up and down. And, and what David was saying to Solomon, Solomon, I'm not telling you to do a little bit of this today. You do this today, and then you skip out on this, and you come back to this, and then you skip out. No, no, your, your, your trajectory, you've you, you got to live consistently a courageous life. No, 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 no. Every day, no, not something. Every day, you got to bring your life in line with this book. Every day. And your judgments and your decisions there needs to be a consistency about it. Why? Because it's a reflection of your character and your integrity. By the way, I would say that really faithfulness or the lack of faithfulness is a trust issue. Are you faithful? And I suppose Solomon is looking at his dad and realizing, you know, my dad was faithful. Even with the screw up with mom. Even with the screw up with mom. He made it right. He kept coming back. I can't help but think later on, after, you know, Solomon was cool until after that temple and palace was built. After that, things unraveled for him fast. As you read the book of Ecclesiastes, you, you can hear the shadows of disappointment through Solomon. I, I think he went to his grave broken because he remembered that day that he was by the bedside of his daddy and he warned him that if you violated any of these things, God would take his hand off you. Well, there are two promises, the two conditions, uh, the three conditions come with two promises, and I won't spend a lot of time on them, but the two promises are these. The second part of verse three, and as he tells him uh, to live obediently, he says uh, the expression, the purpose clause at the end of, of the verse says, that you may prosper in all that you do, and wherever you turn. And then the last part of verse four, if your sons pay close attention to their way to walk before me in faithfulness with all their heart and with all their soul, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. The two promises based upon these conditions, and David was clear. He said, this is not automatic. And by the way, by the way, legacies are not automatic. They're not automatic. And you know, I think sometimes we need to tell the people we're discipling and even our children, our children. Karen and I have had these, you know, we're not perfect parents. Our kids have not always been squeaky clean. Just get that right out there. They've made some bonehead decisions and not choices just like everybody else's. But we've told them in their late teen years, here's the deal. Mom and I can't walk with God for you. We cannot do it. We can't do it. And this is what David is saying by giving these conditions here. He says, uh, 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 look, look, look. The fact that I did it, the fact that I'm telling you what's right, the fact that this has been placed in front of you, we cannot walk with God for you. Solomon, you got to do this thing. And don't, but don't blame nobody else if you don't do it. You meet these three conditions, 
hear the promise. The promise in verse three is prosperity, and the promise in verse four is that, that David's family will perpetually occupy the throne. If you do this, you say, well, how did that relate to us? Well, you know, uh, you say, well, that's under the law. And this kind of, well, there's a similar promise given to us by Jesus, isn't it? In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. If we put God first, he will take care of, of the rest. Well, wrapping all of this up here, there's a great line from William James that says, the great use of life is suspended for something that will outlast it. And David, David got a hold of this. That his throne was not about him, but it was about something bigger. It was about the plan and purposes of God. And we need to get this too. The, the irony of it all, and this is where a Christian worldview collides with the culture. This life is not the payoff here, and, 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 and the great use of my life is to give it away to something that will outlast it. And so there are three questions I just want to, very important questions that I want to leave with us. First question is this. What are we doing with what's been placed in our hands? What are we doing with what's been placed in our hands? Uh, We're so busy not trying to, quote, guilt one another. We're so busy not trying to, quote, shame one another. We're so guilty of not trying to hold the past over one another that that we, we go to the other extreme. No, it is a good thing. It is a good thing to remind your children and remind those that you're discipling that there have been people who paid a price for you to be where you are. That, that, that these folks are placing something and you do have a responsibility to them. That's not legalism, that's not guilt. That's called connectedness. Called gratitude. And I think we're so busy trying to, no, this is my life, this kind of, no, no, what has been placed in your hands? What's been placed in your hands? Let's just take care of it. My old, our old son, Brian, uh, he, you know, he's quite the preacher and author and this kind of thing these days, radio program, what have you, but when he was, he started preaching when he was 17 years old. And so when he went to college, he went to the same college that I, I went to in the Philadelphia area and uh, uh, had a number of friends, a number of pastor friends in that whole area. And so they heard about Brian and, uh, and they would invite him to come and preach. And so uh, this one friend of mine invited him to preach. It's a pretty sizable church. And he was like, Brian's like 19 when he preached there. And so, you know, I, I called him and said, well, man, how did it go, Brian? And so he said, well, dad, it went well. And then it was this little kind of, tone in his voice. I said, well, what's up, man? He said, well, you know, some of our friends are just saying to me that uh, the only reason why I, I got invited to preach there is because of, because of you, Dad. Well, I think I shocked him because he was expecting me to say, oh, son, I'm so sorry about that. I made the shadow and all that stuff. Man, you need to make your own, this kind of thing. And I just said, well, they're probably right. <laughs> they're probably right. I said, now, a couple of things. One, if you get invited back, it'll be because of you. They ain't rolling the dice twice. <laughs> so, <laughs> because of you. And then I said, secondly, son, you got a choice. 
I'll never apologize for being your father or for God calling you to do the same thing he's called me to do. You can either look at it as a burden or to be grateful to God for what you can learn from it. Some of us need to make a decision. What's placed in your hands? What are you going to do with it? Number two, what are you leaving behind? What are we leaving behind? What are we leaving behind? It's a life of courage, obedience, and faithfulness. What are we leaving behind? And then thirdly, sounds like it's similar, but it's different. What are we intentionally placing in the hands of the next generation? See, this is what discipleship is all about. That's the reason why here at Fellowship, our mission is this. You know, we exist to glorify God by making disciples of Jesus who love God passionately and love God and love others unconditionally. Listen, that's not some church growth strategy. That's not some slogan. That is the purpose of God. The very, I argue, I argue, the very charge that David gave to his son, that, that Moses gave to Joshua, that Paul gave to Timothy, that Jesus gave to Jesus, it's all New Testament biblical discipleship. It's about stewarding what is most valuable. What is God doing in the world? What is going to last forever? Bringing people in dynamic relationship with Jesus and having them give their hearts to Jesus and to grow in their faith. That's what's most important, and that's the stuff that's going to last forever. So the question is, what epitaph are we writing on the hearts of those who are close to us? What do they see in our lives? If you're not a follower of Jesus, if you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, you can find him, not only find him, he found you. You can give your heart to him. All you have to do is say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I turn from my sin and I trust you as my Savior and Lord he will come into your life. Crawford Lorenz, our teacher here on Living a Legacy, looking at the three charges David gave his son Solomon as David laid on his deathbed. Those charges were to live courageously, to live obediently, and live faithfully. And then those two conditional promises, that you may prosper and that your sons will continue to be on the throne. Well, with that, we wrap up the series, David, The Pursuit of God's Heart. This series was given while Crawford was senior pastor of Fellowship Bible Church in Roswell, Georgia. In retirement, Crawford now heads the Christian Leadership Mentoring Program known as Beyond Our Generation. If you missed out on any of the messages in this series, you can hear them on our website, livingalegacy.org, livingalegacy.org. Look for the Past Programs link on the left side of the page. Or you can download the entire series for free. Look for the MP3 link on the website. I want to take a moment here to say how much we value your emails. They really represent the pulse of this program each week. Cecilia writes, Dear Pastor Loretz, thank you for your teaching, which has opened my eyes and heart to a better understanding of this passage. Brenda listens to Living a Legacy from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Kenneth and his wife listen on the Moody Radio app. Well, it's encouraging to know you're there each week. We need two-way communication to be assured that God is using this broadcast. Our email address is legacy at moody.edu. Legacy at moody.edu. For Dr. Crawford Loritz, I'm Bill Davis. This program is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.